Okay, this is what I want, the Breville Smart Oven Air. Are you really gonna air fry anything? It might air fry. I think this is something you should put in your cart and decide later. Do not buy now. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles. And with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain, also a TV writer and producer. On this podcast, we talk about what it's like to be writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. And we're not apologizing for it. That's right. Which we're going to talk about today. When should we say, I'm sorry, and when should we really not? We're also going to dissect being an overbuyer versus an underbuyer. A discussion that will include Sarah explaining why she felt compelled to buy a puppy stroller. Which I will never live down. <laughs> and Sarah's got a Hollywood hack that makes investing in the stock market easy and unintimidating, which seems impossible. So this should be interesting. <laughs> and you had a Game of Thrones celebrity sighting. Bum bum ba ba bum bum ba ba bum bum ba ba bum bum ba ba bum bum. This is so bad. <laughs> you got me jazzed. I know. Now you're all excited. Oh my god. Okay, but before <laughs> we dive in, we have to talk about 18 for 2018. Yes. Now this is something on the Happier, the podcast I co-host with my sister Gretchen. We each chose 18 things we want to do in 2018. Some of mine include finding the perfect black purse, seeing my college friends, and hosting a dinner party. I love this. One of mine is finding a signature scent. Which is so cool. I I can't wait for the unveiling of your signature scent. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, the people in our Happier in Hollywood Facebook group love the idea of 18 for 2018. And so many have started posting their lists, and we love reading them. And so even though it's not something you and I discussed on this show, it's taken on this amazing life of its own on our Facebook group. So we just wanted to talk about it. Someone commented, it started as a minor earthquake on Happier and became a tsunami in the Happier in Hollywood Facebook group. (laughs) It is so true. (laughs) So if you want to get in on 18 for 2018, it's not too late. Join our Facebook group and post your 18 for 2018 list. Yes, and everyone will comment on them, and it's tons of fun. (laughs) Okay, Liz, so let's dive into our segment from the treadmill desks of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches, and today that's apologizing, or more accurately, not apologizing. Yes, so we've mentioned the topic of apologizing and passing, uh, but it really deserves its own conversation. Uh, Especially now when we're in this watershed moment for women, a lot has been written about how women are conditioned to apologize constantly. Yes, we seem to apologize just for being alive sometimes, and it's an incredibly disempowering habit. Yes, men, at least most men, do not do this. In fact, a lot of men, our president included, just as an example, (laughs) don't apologize for anything. And it's like a power move that they never apologize. Yeah. 
Yes, and I'm happy to report that you and I were recently an example to some of our listeners of not apologizing. Um, this came up after we addressed an email we got from someone who didn't want us to curse on this podcast. We mentioned that in a recent episode. Yes, and after we mentioned that, um, Beth in our Facebook group wrote, Dear Liz and Sarah, wanted to say how refreshing it is that you don't apologize for who and how you are, nor do you twist yourselves into pretzels to accommodate others' desires. I think as women, we're taught to do that from such a young age that it becomes habitual, and to overcome that is no small feat. I was struck by your reaction to the listener who was essentially asking you to stop swearing on the podcast. I kept waiting for a statement like, well, sorry, but we're going to carry on. But there was no sorry. It was wonderful. And indeed, why should there be? Thank you for being a great <laughs> example. So thank you, Beth, for yes. that wonderful compliment. I mean, of course, it's nothing we were even aware of at the time. But reading that got us talking about this topic. Yeah, and I think we have, over time, consciously made an effort to be less apologetic. Yes. When it's not really necessary. And a lot of people commented on Beth's post that you just read, saying that they're trying to decrease their apologies. Also, um, one woman who's a supervisor said she's having everyone, I love this so much, she's having everyone in her department edit sorries out of their emails. Which cracked me up because you and I do the yes. exact same thing. We'll write an email, <laughs> we'll read it to each other, and then we'll take out like two sorries. And exclamation points. Yes. And we'll also take out words like just mm -hmm. or thinking, like, well, I'm thinking this. And, you know, we'll try to be more declarative. Right. Like a man would. Yes. Everything that is disempowering, we try to edit out. Yes. Now, of course, having said this, that's not to say that one should never apologize. Absolutely. There are times when we make mistakes, and of course we should offer up genuine apologies whenever that happens. Yeah, and I think that's also a power move. I mean, I think it's yes. I think not apologizing is what I would call a dick power move. <laughs> and I would say apologizing when you've really done something wrong is like a uh, mature power move where you're saying right. I'm confident enough to say I made a mistake. I don't need to try to hide the fact that I made a mistake. I know I'm valuable enough to apologize and still be valued and admit wrongdoing. Liz, didn't your dad say something about this, about taking responsibility? He said, if you're willing to take the blame, you'll also be given the responsibility. So, which is so true. It's like, if you'll say, hey, guys, this one's on me, everyone's yeah. happy to be like, oh, they're in charge, it's on them. But you've got to be willing to do that. I think women need to apologize less often, but yet not be afraid to apologize when we have done something wrong. Yeah. Which oh. we all do, for God's sake. We're oh, human. of course. Yes. Okay, do you struggle with over-apologizing? We want to know. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com or comment in our Facebook group. Coming up, Sarah and I throw down on the issue of spending. But first, an ad break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. Factor's 
fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, Liz, now it's time for a segment we call LVS, Liz versus Sarah, in which we discuss slash debate something we may not see eye to eye on. This week, we're talking about overbuyers versus underbuyers. Yes, and overbuyers and underbuyers are something that my sister Gretchen talks about a lot. It's just, you know, kind of self-explanatory. It's that some people tend to buy too much And some people buy too little. Mm -hmm. Like my sister, for example, who doesn't want to buy more toothpaste until she's absolutely out of her last drop of toothpaste. Yes, she's an extreme underbuyer. Extreme underbuyer. Um, And so right off the bat, we'll just say, um, for the sake of our listeners knowing where we stand, (laughs) you're traditionally an overbuyer, and I'm a bit of an underbuyer. Yes. Now, I want to say off the top, my overbuying tendencies aren't like threatening my financial security. This is not like a intervention. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's just causing you to have a lot of crap in your house. Yes. There's just a lot of stuff I don't need. But I have to say, I just have to to, to quibble with the word crap. Oh. I don't buy crap. I buy nice things. They're just things that perhaps I don't need. <laughs> But I guess in my opinion, as soon as it's like heaped in a pile in a closet, it turns into crap, no matter how nice it is. I mean, you can have a Waterford crystal pitcher, but if you're not using it, it's kind of just crap. So, Sarah, to me, the quintessential um, overbuying situation was when you got a new dog and you bought a puppy stroller, which did not seem necessary. No. But that it was part of the preparing fun. But I got, because I was worried, Cheesy Feet is our dog, um, and I was worried that Cheesy Feet was going to, you know, you can't get shots for the first 12 weeks. Like, their shots aren't mm-hmm. completed, and you can't kind of take them out. So I was worried that I would want to take him places... <laughs> And he wouldn't be able to go on the ground. So I got a puppy stroller for him. Not a crappy puppy stroller, a nice puppy stroller, but it was totally pointless. I didn't use it once. He was too big for it when he arrived. Like, oh it, it was just such a waste. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't even know who you donate that to, honestly. I guess a shelter. I had a garage sale, and someone okay. bought it for okay. their small dog. Okay. Um, but, Liz, you don't even have, like, a proper emergency kit. You're that much of an underbuyer. That's true. I it's hard I I have like the small red cross backpacks for all three of us, but I don't have your full on emergency kit. It, I guess I always feel like, well, I'm going to buy this, and then by the time there's an emergency, it'll all be expired or rusted or I don't know. It just seems like a waste. But I should buy it, right? I'm looking at you with horror that that's what's I know. happening. And right we now. don't have water either. Oh my god. We live oh, yeah. in, like, earthquake, wildfire zone. Okay, you're right. I, I really need to work on that. Maybe maybe Mary can sort of make me a list. There and... you go. Um, and I also think, for me, it's 
partly just an overbuying thing. Like, if I see a book that I want, I don't think, do I have 15 books and I should not get this until right. I need it? Um, I just get it. And partly that I'm an over-preparer. Mm, um, and that leads to buying. Yes. So if I, for example, my emergency kit situation, which, you know, I'm just, like, obsessed with emergency yes. preparedness, I will get Everything you could possibly need in the event of an earthquake or, you know, some kind of catastrophic disaster. I'm like 100% prepared. Yes. I should. Do you have a generator? No. I shouldn't have asked that. I was literally researching one, one last week. <laughs> okay. Yes. I mean, by this time next year, I'll probably have a generator. Yeah. Well, this reminds me, some of our listeners might remember your camping list. Everything yes. <laughs> that you were packing and that you had bought, like, within the last month for your camping trip, it just blew my mind. And honestly, it turned me off camping because I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to buy all this stuff. Yes. But for me, that's fun. Okay. Like, the preparing for something is part of the fun of it, not so much preparing for an emergency. But preparing for camping, like, I was excited about it. It was part of the anticipation mm-hmm. of camping, of mm-hmm. being like, ooh, we're going to need lights to hang inside the tent. And are these lights better than those lights? Or Unfortunately for me, I was like, probably I should get both. <laughs> yes. Really, I just need to make, like, harder choices. Yeah, because see, that is not fun for me. I don't like doing that. I love. In fact, doing it, that. it. I don't like doing it to the point that it's like it'll keep me from an activity if right. it involves a lot of purchasing of things that I'm then going to have to like organize and take care of. Right. And why is that? Well, I think a lot of it is I don't like the sort of unpackaging and having to figure out how to use them. Uh-huh. So it's like to buy a camping stove means you're then going to have to figure out how to use a camping stove. And I have zero interest in that. It's right. why, as you know, I didn't buy a new laptop for 11 years. <laughs> so or <whatever>. long. <laughs> um, so, you know, and but I will admit as a bit of an underbuyer, I'm not a huge underbuyer, but I'm a bit of one like with the laptop. Yeah. It can cause problems because, as you know, like I was having scripts like just vanish on my computer. We've had some terrifying <laughs> times with your yeah. computer. Yes, yeah, we have. And so I need to like buy when I need to buy, which yeah. I, you know, am working on. I did get a new computer and I'm working on getting a new phone because <laughs> I also need a new phone. But what I think is kind of funny is that our professional word for the year, which we talked about in episode 36, is expand. Yeah. But on this overbuying issue, you want to shrink. I do. I shrink, simplify. I just, I have to get a handle on the, cr- I'm saying it, on the crap in my oh, life, Liz. There you go. Um, I want to clear stuff out. And by the way, I donate stuff all the time. You do. Like, I'm you constantly do. having the Veterans of America come. They do pickups. It's amazing. Uh, they come, like, every three months to my house and get, like, boxes and boxes of stuff. The problem is... It keeps coming. Yeah, yes. I also have boxes being delivered. So I want to stop with getting the boxes delivered and keep up with having everything donated and taken to places where it can be appreciated, but not in my house. And you actually came up with a series of questions to ask yourself before you buy something, which I think is fascinating. Yes. And I put them in my bullet journal, which, as you know, I carry with me everywhere. Yes. If you want to hear us talk about bullet journals, by the way, it's, I think, episode two. Yes. I have five questions. Do I have anything like it? How many times will I use it in a year? Where will I put it? Can I get it for less or free? And why do I need it? And has this stopped you from buying anything yet? 
The only thing I've purchased since this started is books. Okay. I, it's hard for me to stop by because you're worried. Yeah. You know what you can do, by the way, is, and I'm sure we'll hear people suggest this, so I'm going to suggest it now. Mm-hmm. Put it in your cart uh-huh. and save it for later. Oh, that's a good idea. Or a wish list. I mean, I have an Amazon wish yeah. list. I should just put it on my Amazon But I do list. that a lot. I have a long save it for later list. Uh-huh. You know, so that's what, and then you can think, do I really want, two weeks later, do I still want this book? Yeah. You know? Because it's not something you need the next day. Right. And I can get it when I'm ready for it. Well, together, Sarah, we buy the perfect amount of things. <laughs> but it's an overbuyer and underbuyer together, and we're, and we're, we're buying perfect. exactly what we should buy. <laughs> Speaking of money, up next, Sarah has an investing Hollywood hack. But first, an ad break. Okay, Liz, now it's time for this week's Hollywood hack, which is an app called Robinhood. Um, I've been using this app for a couple years now. I love it. I think it's so fun. Basically, it's an investment app. Hmm. You deposit money in Robinhood as much or as little as you want, and then you use it to buy and sell stock. So what I did is for a period of like a year, I put a little bit in the Robinhood account every week. Mm. And then when I had accumulated enough to buy a particular stock, I would buy the stock. And now I'm just sort of watching it. And if I want to sell something, I'll sell something. And it's very easy to do on the app. And I want to say also, I would not use it as like your primary investment place. Right. It's really just like for fun, instead of buying lottery tickets or something, do this because it has the potential to grow. And you can probably learn about the stock market using it. Like this would be good for me because I just pay no attention to any of it. Yes. You can learn about the stock market. You can do research into individual stocks. So you kind of decide what you want to buy. And there are stocks that are not expensive at all. You can get a stock for $5 or $10 and see, you know, how it grows over time. It's not like you have to put thousands of dollars into this. And so how have you done on your Robinhood account? Well, as of yesterday, I'm up 36% this year. Wow. And 53% since I started using it. So of course I'm a big fan. <laughs> now, of course, your results may be different. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't try this at home. Right. Exactly. Um, well, that is really cool. I have to say, you do have a knack for picking stocks. Yeah. You have a sixth sense about like life, and I have a, a knack for stocks and real estate. You do. I need to start uh, following your lead. <laughs> that Remember when the craps table, I followed your lead and I won like $1,400. I remember. So what are you going to do with these earnings? Well, so I'm thinking that I will either wait, you know, a few more years. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a long-term thing. And either take some kind of amazing trip with Violet or buy myself something fun. Hmm. Haven't decided. All right, well... <laughs> I'll look forward to that day. Yes. Um, All right. Before we go, Liz, you had a very exciting celebrity sighting. Um, Here's a little clip to give people a hint. It's been a remarkable journey. I pissed off the edge of the wall. I slept in a sky cell. I fought with the hill tribes. So many adventures. So much to be thankful for. So, Sarah, that was Peter Dinklage playing Tyrion in Game of Thrones, probably my all-time favorite TV character. Yes. You are a huge Tyrion fan. I am, yes. I'm like, if he dies, I'm out. Yeah. He's not going <laughs> to die, though. My, In fact, I'm um, predicting that he ends up on the Iron Throne. Oh. That's my official prediction. Okay. 
with Sansa by his side. Okay, so where did you see Peter Dinklage? So I was driving from uh, my doctor's office to our office, so from Beverly Hills to Burbank, and I was driving through West Hollywood. And the crazy thing is from, like, a block away, I saw a little person get out of a car. And I just immediately was like, oh, my God, is that Peter Dinklage? Uh Uh-huh. And then I got closer And it was. He was waiting across the street. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Peter Dinklage. And I just, of course, drove right past him. (laughs) Um, And I was, like, just on cloud nine for, like, the rest of the drive that I saw Peter Dinklage. Well, and the funny thing is this isn't your first kind of brush with Peter Dinklage. No. The funny thing is in the (laughs) 90s, I used to see him perform all the time in New York. He was in a band with a friend of mine named Bowman, a band called Wizzy. And I would see them perform all the time in little clubs in New York. But, you know, that was when he was just Peter Dinklage. He wasn't Tyrion back Right, then. right. So it wasn't as exciting as it is now. <laughs> but anyway, so that was my um, awesome celebrity sighting. Personally, I would like to see Cersei Lannister. Well, let me know if you do. Okay. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast, give us a review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps new listeners find us. Thanks to our producer, Jennifer Lai. Also thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft, and Sarah is at S. Fane. Join our Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Kraft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Okay, this is going to be terrible. This is so depressing. Just do it anyway. Okay.